0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week we bring you The Black Windmill and The Day of the Condor. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod driveinpod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie Rating Symbols, which will be used by this Theater, we present the following guide For parents and young people X, no one under 17 admitted
1: uh, I've been uh, for about 12 straight hours And it's fine
0: Yeah,
2: see The wife was, uses my laptop When she works from home So then I have to sign out of Her account into my account And then it just fucks everything up really it's 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 Amanda's (laughs) fault I was so late
1: yeah it's usually a woman's fault if somebody's Mm -hmm. late I find
2: yeah pretty much
1: hopefully you've started recording so we get our sexism (laughs) right out there for all. oh yeah
2: oh yeah I started recording before we even signed on yeah well that's good thing is she doesn't listen so I can just say whatever I want (laughs)
1: Well, it'll help us go viral if we upset our female listener
2: <laughs> do we think we have any I don't know well I think we got one or two. That Oh Laura, yeah Laura gr- listens cause she sent me yeah. that book that's probably about it though
1: yeah
2: oh well we didn't need them anyway
1: if we were doing this for the listeners I'm sure we'd find a way to make it I don't know What's the word I'm looking for better is that the word I'm looking
2: for? Oh, man. What's, what's, what's the point in doing that? Yeah, no. So I'm a little sad. Uh, Noah's not here. So you don't have anybody you're going to be mad at, unless I make you mad, but it doesn't seem likely.
1: It'll be a nice break, not having you here, actually.
2: I'm not going to say crazy and nonsensical stuff that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is not good. It's not, again, it's not
1: even that it's not good. He's trying to argue that it's like not influential. Yeah. I re-listened I re- I re- re- to last week's show. And he said, everything sets trends. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Now I want everyone at home one that was not here to interrupt and confuse things think about how could everything set a trend if everything set a trend there would be no such thing as trends the whole point of things setting a trend <laughs> is that the other things follow it
0: <sighs>
2: well now it's just like Charmed and every other show that was on WB at the time apparently apparently <laughs>
1: I never saw Charmed I still can't comment on it
2: yeah, I mean, I've caught an episode here or there. Nothing that uh, I was that excited about. I did go see,
1: was it Rose McGowan once at a convention? and mm-hmm. You know, you walk in and you, you, you think of her as being from horror movies, but they think, is she the one that was on uncharmed?
2: She or was the one that... No, she showed up after Shannon Doherty left. Okay. So she yeah, took over her spot, he, he, yeah.
1: I think it was her that I went and saw and it was one of those ones where like you think you're walking in with a bunch of horror fans when you get there it's all 12 year old girls that watch Charmed <laughs> like, you feel kind of awkward you're like there's a group of guys over in the one corner going do you think she'll talk about you know Robert Rodriguez
2: so remember when she's dancing at the beginning of Planet Terror yeah, yeah that was good
1: it was cool though she uh, when the little girls would get up to ask questions about Charmed she would remember the names of all of them who had stood in line to get in uh, to get her autograph earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. So they'd stand up and she'd be like, Oh, you're, you know, Jen or whatever. I remember you from earlier. What's your question? And the little kids were so happy that, that happened. It was really impressive.
2: Oh, well good for her. That sounds that sounds nice. It
1: Is was nice was... enough that I feel the need to tell the story whenever I get a
2: chance. So. Yeah. Is it before she went super crazy? Or Probably. Yeah She She had a head of
1: hair back then
2: Yeah So she was still like Cute crazy But now she's kind of full blown crazy Yeah Which is fine
1: Whatever People have the right to be crazy Exactly (laughs) Sure beats if everybody was normal That'd be boring (laughs) Uh,
2: When I went to convention I saw Doug Jones And he hugged everybody that came up to his table
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Was there anybody that was there not to see him and had just sort of inadvertently wandered up or something that got an awkward hug? Because that'd be great.
2: Uh, not that I know of. Um, seriously, like, one of the nicest people I've ever met. And not even just, like, one of the nicest celebrities, just one of the nicest people in general. Well, that's great. He was so nice. Whenever you talked to him, he pretty much made sure that he was, like, 100% focused on you and having a conversation and yeah. And w- it was when we are in line because of course I was like oh yeah he's uh, Abe Sapien from Hellboy and you know yeah. he, he's awesome. And then uh, we get up in line and he's got like 8x10s on his table and Amanda sees that he was Billy and Hocus Pocus which is the undead guy that comes back to life and has to like cut the stitches out of his mouth so he can talk and she went crazy and started punching me in the arm and i'm just like jesus christ so the experience got way more intense for her once she found out that he was in hocus pocus
1: something like got intense for you
2: yeah did you, did you guys uh
1: seek therapy for this physical
2: abuse you endured <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all right. I told I told Doug Jones. He he mediated everything. It was fine. Oh, that's perfect.
1: That's who you want. <laughs> you always want to find an actor to help you work your way through your relationship problems.
2: <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you want to jump into this week's topic? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about spy films. Uh, sort of.
1: Yeah, spy movies from the 70s.
2: Yeah, 74 and 75. I didn't realize okay. they were that close together when I picked them. Is there I'm, one you would prefer to synopsize?
1: Um, no.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I hesitated, so it seemed like I was thinking about it. <laughs> All right, well... How about I go first We'll talk about The Black Windmill Uh Which stars Won Michael Caine And yeah. co-stars Won Donald Pleasance Which you were excited about
1: I was excited about it
2: As you should be It's fucking Donald Pleasance
1: Yeah Donald Pleasance With a mustache At that
2: Yeah And he's got his little quirk That he like Twirls his little mustache Like when he gets nervous Yeah <laughs> Uh, so Michael Caine stars as a spy of sorts. I don't know if we 100% get, like, a full detail of sort of what his job is, but...
1: Well, they they use terms like MI5 and MI6 and they just toss Mm -hmm. them around, like, as if we're supposed to know what those mean, but if you're not British, those are not terms that make a lot of sense.
2: Um, so his son ends up getting kidnapped and, uh, Uh, kidnapped by Vernon Wells of all people who is one of the best 80's bad guys ever so they come up with this weird ploy of finding the kids who snuck into a military base and then kidnapping both of them uh, beating the shit out of both of them but then releasing one of them it was a weird plan um (laughs)
1: It so th- is a weird plan. Well, <laughs> why, like, Why did they beat up that one kid and then let him
2: go? Well, it's like, I was sitting there watching it, and uh, so the, you know, these kids sneak onto this military base to fly, like, this uh, plane, little model plane thing. And these two guys pull up in a Jeep, and they're dressed up in, like, military uniform, so it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, the military police are coming to be like hey you shouldn't be here so they put the kids in the in the jeep and then drive into a hangar where vernon wells and a lady are both there dressed up as soldiers or like military personnel and they they then knock both of the kids out by punching them in the back of the head and then literally throwing them like they're fucking like bales of hay
1: watching them carry those kids around like they were objects instead of human beings was pretty funny so
2: it's just these big huge dudes and they're just like,
1: t- like tossing these kids bodies around it's great
2: so they throw them in the back of this truck and then they both take off their military uniforms get in the truck and then drive off and I'm like why were you guys wearing military uniforms in the first place you literally yeah, no, stood there and then punched them in the head and then threw them in the back of the truck
1: it's a really elaborate plot to trick like a couple of little kids i do think it's it's executed really well because while they were like stopping these kids and hassling them i kept Mm. thinking there's something not right about this like it doesn't seem like the military would do it this way and then i'm like oh because they're faking being in the military i'm not sure why they faked it being in the military but it was very well done
2: yeah it was just awkward i'm like this doesn't make any sense but whatever uh so they start calling michael kane demanding a ransom and they specifically want, like, some uncut diamonds of some sort.
1: Yeah. I, I lost that a little bit. I think the military had recently seized those diamonds from someone, so they were in yeah. possession of this spy agency.
2: Yeah, something like that. Um, so then they bring in Donald Pleasance, who is... I don't remember if he's, like, Michael Kane's superior or whatever, but yeah. apparently he's the guy you go to when shit like this is going on, and he coordinates everything. Uh, So then, yeah, there's this big back and forth about, like, well, are we gonna (laughs) sort of pay this ransom so I can get my son back? Um, And then, of course, we would take them down in the process. Or, like, how is this all gonna work? And eventually, Donald Pleasant just comes to the decision, like, we just can't risk it. So we're not going to do it to, at which point Michael Caine's like yeah fuck you we're still doing
1: it yeah so like the part you're kind of skipping over is the part where they start to think that maybe Michael Caine's behind all of this
2: oh yeah I forgot that and part that's,
1: so that's why they're like well we can't pay him the money we can't pay the money because can trust on him to help us catch these guys because he's not going to mm-hmm. help us catch the guys if he's into it
2: yeah yeah, I forgot that they suddenly start throwing that around. Um, so then Michael Kane's like "fuck you," ends up stealing the diamonds himself, and then goes about uh, going to pay them off, all the while knowing that he's gonna try to uh, beat the shit out of him and figure out where his son is, so that he can go save him. And it's called the Black Windmill because it turns out he's being held hostage in a black windmill that apparently is very famous yeah. over in England. Oh, is it? I don't know. <laughs> they made it so- sound like there's like some like touristy destination getaway type area or something.
1: Yeah, it was sort of like, they're like, well, near Brighton, which I don't, I assume, well known UK town
2: hmm. they're
1: like near there there's two windmills go look that up in a book in the historical society and they're like oh we found two windmills near Brighton in this book and I'm like is that how it worked for the internet?
2: Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's tough watching it in the 70s and you're just like man that looks like that takes a long time I don't,
1: why don't they use google maps if you just type windmill Brighton in there you'll get a bunch of them you just pick which ones look close together
2: oh my god <laughs> um, so what did you end up thinking of this movie
1: uh, I actually thought it was pretty good um, mm-hmm. I thought the tension kind of worked I li- it's like we're going to talk about this in the next movie too but it's the 70s and that's important for these movies to work because in the 70s film make- films moved slower
2: and, they just kind so. of yeah.
1: and uh, I like I think this movie works a lot better because you have like Michael Kane and his ex-wife kind of interacting and that whole thing where they're both working together to try to get their kid back even though they have their own sets of problems and mm-hmm. you know she kind of brings up the fact that what broke up their marriage was him getting this spy job and if he'd just stayed in the uh, in the military he they would probably still be together and none of this would be happening and you can see that guilt in him mm-hmm. um, so I, I liked a lot of that the action is, questionable at times, because it's kind of low-budget British filmmaking from the 70s. Um, yeah. So, like, there's a... Early on, there's a truck that explodes, because the, the bad guys are just trying to prove that they can do things. So they blow up a truck, and they'd be like, see, we did that, so give us the diamonds kind of thing. And, uh, it's pretty cheesy-looking.
0: <laughs> it
1: kind of looks like something out of an 80s action TV show. But okay
2: (laughs) yeah I uh, I thought it was pretty good Um, as you mentioned it's the 70s and this is a British movie so I would say the beginning third of the movie maybe drug a little bit for me Uh, but I understood like you know you kind of had to have all that to set everything up but once like once they tell Michael Caine like no we're not gonna we're not gonna help you and he's just like fuck it I'm doing it anyway like then it just goes like full speed and I thought that was the, the stuff after that was done really well
1: yeah but once he's because he ends up having to go all the way over to Paris and then come back with the kidnappers to England and, <laughs> um, you know all that stuff I think it's executed quite well I think the stuff where they're trying to frame him it's done well yeah there's just a bunch of people that break into Michael Caine's apartment in a
2: row,
0: which
1: is kind of a weird sequence of events where it's like first the kidnappers break in and they take some pictures and stuff to make it seem like he's involved. And then then the they send like Scotland Yard in there to tap his phone. I thought it was kind of funny that we spent so much time with those two cops that get sent to his apartment and they're just like <laughs> complaining about how they have to do all the work but the spy agency is going to get all the credit if somebody gets caught
0: <laughs> just,
1: you know it, it added all that stuff sounds silly but it adds a sense of realism to the movie as well it makes you feel like it's mm. you know this is how people would act in these circumstances uh, yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's weird he starts the movie he's investigating this woman and i don't remember what they said the reason they were investigating her was uh but then it turns out she's working with the kidnappers so yeah then they break into his apartment she gets naked and lays on his bed and they take a picture of her uh which then they develop right away which i was really impressed with because it's like holy shit that's like that's like polaroid technology almost uh, then yeah, she signs it. And then they hide it like in his drawer or whatever. And then yeah, the Sky Yard guys come over and start digging through all of his shit, and they find it. And they're like, "Oh, this is proof." And then, but yeah, you know, they of course hold on to the naked picture and start just randomly showing it to people. But like, hey, do you know her?
1: It also leads to the only joke in the movie, I think, which is when they show it to, like, a shopkeeper, and he's like, no, I don't know her, and he turns his eyes away, and he's like, why would you ask me these questions and all this? And then just before they leave, he's like, can I see the picture one more time? <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. It's just that weird British humor of just, like, he's trying to play all prim and proper, but it's like, eh, it is the 70s. This might be my chance to see a naked woman today.
2: Exactly. Yeah, so then, yeah, he goes to... Michael Caine goes to pay off the uh, the kidnappers, and then ends up getting Shanghai knocked out. And then they kill the woman that was in the picture and leave her in his apartment, and leave him like on the floor. So then he ends up getting arrested. Yeah, which I did not expect.
1: No, it's another one of those plans that's way too elaborate. If you think about it a little too much, it's like, well, they could have just killed him that would have been the solution right there
2: <laughs> but so it seems like but then they also then stage an escape for him <clears throat> yeah so he's being transported they essentially uh, uh help him escape from this like paddy wagon that's taking him to the jail and i think their plan was like well yeah, we framed him, so everybody thinks he's done it, and now he's escaped. So if they go after him, they'll kill him, and they'll know that he did it already, so they won't look into it any further. Yeah. Which seems like a lot of setup for just yeah, trying to get away just, with it.
1: they could have just, yeah, they had already convinced the police that he had done it, so if they had just killed him and made it look like some kind of an accident or like a deal gone wrong that would have solved everything
2: right <laughs> that's what it seems like
1: i don't know but maybe british thieves like to do things a little more elaborately than north american <laughs> thieves they're just a little more proper about things i'm not sure. <laughs> Because this movie is very, very British. I I especially like some of the conversations that go on between the people involved in the kidnapping are just Mm. so British. They're just like, they're all like, I say, have you kidnapped my child? I disapprove of your actions, sir. (laughs) Eventually, uh, they start calling Michael Caine out on it and saying like, you're awfully composed for somebody whose kid's been kidnapped and that's one of the reasons they suspect him but everybody's like that except for the the Mm ex-wife she's the only one that seems to be panicking about this whole scenario
2: yeah she even yells at him for not being more emotional about it (laughs) which you know basically keying into like this is why their marriage was breaking up because he just doesn't react to anything Yeah, and then he tells Donald Pleasance at some point like isn't this what you train me like to be to stuff all my feelings down and then just business at hand?
1: Yeah. I, and I think that's accurate, too. It's like people mm-hmm. in these types, I assume, because I don't, I've don't. i never been trained as a British spy, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, But it seems like, yeah, they would be trained in these circumstances to keep emotions in check and stuff, so it makes sense,
2: mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind yeah. of important. Yeah, they tell him it's like the most important thing in the world, and then when he's like all like stiff upper lip and stuff and they're like why aren't you more emotional and he's like well damn it what am i supposed to do at the end of, at the end of the day donald pleasant's still his boss he's never going to be pleased with him <laughs> it's but true I'm doing exactly what you
1: told me to do yeah right <laughs>
2: no, I, oh. God damn it. Uh, also in this movie do you remember when hovercrafts were going to be the transportation of the future
1: Oh my god, I love that hovercraft, man. (laughs) (laughs) They just used like a hovercraft just to get from uh, is it from France to England? Is that where they
0: were
1: across the English channel?
2: Basically like a basically like a ferry. Yeah.
1: Was that do we know if there was ever really a hovercraft used for that purpose?
2: I think there might have been.
1: Like if there's one in in use now, I will plan a vacation that requires me to go
2: across the (laughs) English channel just to do that. (laughs) yeah whatever happened to hovercraft technology they made it seem like this is the wave of the future
1: oh yeah because it would go right over the water and then over the land yeah oh yeah I know because I I was a kid in the 80s I wanted a hovercraft like everyone
0: else did <laughs>
1: and this one was like this one even looked like the GI Joe hovercraft like it was huge and it had that big like <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what that is like air thing around the bottom so that it could like have something to land on when if it was on land (laughs) i assume that would help it float in the water i don't know
2: um all right so yeah the saunders row nautical four which is what the hovercraft in the movie was okay um so work on it was begun in 65 first uh trials took place in 68 and then um yeah it operated uh, services across the English Channel between sixty eight and two thousand. But apparently oh, really? they, they don't they don't uh they don't use them anymore.
1: Right until two thousand eh? Yeah.
2: And it said it could cruise at over sixty knots, which is a hundred and eleven kilometers an hour. Kilometers okay. an hour. Yeah. Huh Uh, Uh, let's see Uh, the two remaining uh, Mach 3 examples craft were bought by Winsley Hayden Bali is that just a dude is there just a dude that bought two hovercrafts I bought them for 500,000 pounds and restored at Leon Solent next to the Hovercraft Museum. There's a hovercraft museum in Hampshire, England.
1: It's starting to seem like we need our first podcast road trip to right, the hovercraft exactly. museum. Exactly. <laughs>
2: uh let's see they put up for sale uh put up for sale on Hoover Transit Services of Bolton, Ontario. Proposed putting the hovercraft back into operation following a $10 million purchase and refurbishment on Lake Ontario with service between Rochester, New York, and Toronto. But the plan did not come oh. to fruition, with government officials concluding the organization lacked the experience necessary to be viable. Huh.
1: I really want that. Oh, well, I don't know if I want people from Rochester having an easy access to
2: Canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so yeah doesn't look like no hovercrafts in use in any big commercial commercial area the moment like I I honestly didn't think
0: hovercraft of that nature actually ever existed I thought they were something from fiction until I saw them in this movie (laughs) they
1: didn't have CGI
2: so no yeah but I just remember like when I was watching the movie and it popped up I'm like no hovercraft really That's fucking awesome, and it didn't play like a huge like role or anything. But
1: no, it was very casually used, and I'm
2: like,
1: like for a minute, I'm like, wait, are there just hovercrafts everywhere in England, and I don't know (laughs) about (laughs)
0: this? Like, okay,
1: it appears to be an important hovercraft. They're using it as a major ferry system.
0: Uh,
2: Yeah, it's (laughs) it's just casually like, yeah, everybody, everybody travels by hovercraft in England. You don't. And I'm like, Jesus. Living in the wrong country if if people are just getting around by hovercraft. The, uh, a little outside the point of the movie. <laughs> it was
1: literally like 40 seconds of screen time in this movie.
2: We just spent 10 minutes discussing it. It doesn't matter. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's like, holy shit, fucking hovercraft. Um... I don't know. Is there anything else? After the hovercraft, I just it, it I lost interest. The one thing I, I'd say about this
1: movie, for example, I'm assuming most people haven't seen it because it's pretty hard to track down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you sent me a link to a Russian website. That's how I watched it. So. <laughs> I may have yeah. really influenced your next election by watching this movie. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, um, yeah I bought it for cheap a, on Blu-ray like a couple months ago. Cause it oh, sounded really? it sounded interesting and it was pretty cheap, so I'm like, "Yeah, I've never heard of this spy movie with Michael Caine. Can't be terrible." Not knowing there was a hovercraft in it, so I won.
1: So, yeah, the one the one thing I would say though, yeah, being a 70s movie, it's not afraid to be dark. Um, mm-hmm. So those phone calls where the guy is just torturing the kid in the background, so the parents will pay up yeah I was that's our shit like it's just he's just you just hear the screaming coming through the phone and like all the spies are all standing around like recording the phone call and everything and the mom's just freaking out and you're like oh <laughs> what's well, it's not very polite of him at all to do that
2: yeah and then uh they beat up the other kid and then just like dumped him off somewhere
1: yeah and they go find him in the hospital and michael cain's questioning him he's just all bruised
2: up and shit yeah. It's like all fucked up. He's almost like comatose, like he's just sitting there, doesn't say anything. Yeah, so they they had no qualms about us smacking kids around. What was the seventies yeah. I guess. Yeah. They were just teaching important <laughs> life lessons, that's what it was called back then. <laughs> uh
1: I just clicked on the IMDb page of the Black Windmill to see if there's anything particularly interesting, and under the photos section, there are 43 photos. The very first one is the hovercraft.
2: Yeah, it is. <laughs> if you want people to click on your IMDb, of course you got to put a hovercraft in there.
0: But, uh, do
1: you have any? Uh, we got to we got to not go off on another hovercraft So
0: going to bring <laughs> us
1: back to the movie quickly. Is there? Uh, do you have any criticisms of the film?
2: Um, like I said, I felt like the first third of it maybe kind of drug a little, yeah. but then once, uh, Michael Caine's like on his own, like to, uh, you know, go, he's like, fuck it. I'm going to go do it myself. And then like steals the diamonds and st- all that stuff. I thought all that stuff was yeah. pretty good up through the end. That's when it
1: sort of becomes an action movie.
2: Hmm. Yeah. What there's lots of, the... well, there's go lots ahead. of him like, uh, uh, because after, you know, they he gets arrested for supposedly killing the woman in his apartment. And then, you know, that, the bad guys break him, do a jailbreak and break him out of the paddy wagon. He's then on the run. So he's trying to stay out of everybody's, you know, eye line and stuff, which is why he sneaks onto the hovercraft and then, like, sneaks onto a bus after he gets off the hovercraft and, like... Yeah, I thought all that stuff was was fun. Yeah, it all
1: works pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked the, the parts where he had to like call the uh, the ex-wife and try to communicate with her over the phone. I thought that worked good.
2: Mm-hmm. That stuff was good, and then him doing an impersonation of Donald Pleasance.
1: That was fun. awesome. <laughs> well, Donald Pleasance has like a weird voice in this. like, It's clearly not his natural voice, and I think maybe they did it just so that... Michael Caine could impersonate
0: him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty fantastic. So yeah, just watching him kind of do a spy thing when he's on the run from his own people, I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, I liked that quite a bit. The only mm-hmm. thing I would say that was kind of negative in the second half of the film was the uh, at the very end when he has to storm the windmill to get his kid out. Mm-hmm. I thought. It was probably a lot more realistic than any other action movie would be, but <laughs> yeah. not as much fun to watch as some others, just because it was, you know, it was like one bullet for each guy, take him out, move on to the next one. <laughs> just kind of, I don't know. It, it was just climactic maybe.
2: Yeah. It was interesting that like, yeah, he's uh, got to run up several, uh, several levels of this windmill and he knows John Vernon's up there with an Uzi so he takes a or and pushes like the little trap door up and then like, grabs like a giant sack of flour and puts it over his shoulder to absorb the bullets as he goes up yeah that's <laughs> so weird
1: I wonder if that would work I don't know I don't know <laughs> he seemed pretty confident in it
2: and then uh, Vernon Wells I mean spoiler alert I guess uh, gets killed in the worst way Where he gets shot in the leg, and then the blood's dripping down, so Michael Caine's like, oh, he's standing right here, and just shoots him straight up into the crotch and kills him. Yeah. But then he takes a pretty awesome, like, head-first dive, like, down the stairs. It was a pretty good, like, stunt work.
1: Yeah. See, now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking the problem with this movie isn't the way this was done. It's just I've seen so many others, like... Mm -hmm comparing Michael Caine going up these stairs to, like, I don't know, Michael Keaton in the Batman suit going up the stairs (laughs) having to fight all the different ninjas and stuff to (laughs) get to the top of that clock tower at the end of that movie. uh,
2: That's what this movie's missing. No ninjas.
1: Yeah. No, like I say, it's probably a lot more realistic, and maybe I would be complaining if it had gone full action movie at the end.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, overall, I would say I enjoyed it. It wasn't the best i think i enjoyed uh three days of the condor more but uh yeah it was interesting
0: yeah i i
1: don't know we'll, we'll have to touch back on this subject i might have preferred this to the next movie because oh, really? for me it's it's darker it's mm-hmm. uh there's i wouldn't say there's as many good performances in this one but i really like michael Caine in it as the lead mm-hmm. uh, I, just, I think I just like him more than I like Robert Redford, but that's. Yeah. No, not really anything. Um, yeah, I, just, I I thought yeah. the tone of this one was a little bit more serious than the next movie. Mm-hmm. And considering the subject matter, I thought that worked.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess you say you liked uh, Michael Caine. I don't think you ever watch a movie and go, the movie is alright, but the pro- big problem was Michael Caine was terrible.
1: No, that's never happened.
2: No. Even even in Jaws 4. Like, Michael Caine's not the problem in that movie.
1: It's pretty
2: rough. <laughs> it's pretty rough, but <laughs> it's not his fault. Uh. Alright, well, do you want to jump in and tell us about Three Days of the Condor?
1: I don't know, I'm still trying to get Michael Caine crashing a plane onto shark out Con- of my brain. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> All right, three days to the counter.
0: <laughs>
1: so, Robert Redford plays a CIA analyst whose job is to read books and <laughs> analyze them to see if they contain any known CIA plots, and therefore
2: there could have been a leak, or if they have any good ideas that should become CIA plots. It is a weird is a job.
1: It's a cool job. I I don't know if it, I don't know if it exists. <laughs> Uh yeah
2: he gets like pissed later he's like no you don't understand i'm not a field agent my only job is to read books yeah
1: so uh yeah so i mean it it, it starts off with him just being he's a bit of a slacker so he's late for his cia job every day (laughs) and it's his punishment i think it's his punishment this day he gets sent out to go pick up lunch for everybody um and they're working out of this like historical society that's kind of a front for the CIA. Um so he gets back from picking up lunch and everybody else has been massacred. The entire team is laying there dead, including the one that's his girlfriend. He naturally runs away and uh calls into the headquarters looking for help. But he's very nervous, doesn't want to uh get involved with them. When he finally agrees to meet up with them, somebody tries to kill him, so he takes off again, kidnaps uh, a woman played by Faye Dunaway, mm-hmm. and uh, basically recruits her to help him as he continues to investigate and try to figure out what's going on. He really doesn't ever seem to figure out what's going on until the very end. <laughs> when it's just There's just a lot of exposition.
2: Um, okay, I was going to ask... He, I was going to ask, because I think I ended up missing what the whole point of everything was, but...
1: its I don't think it's very clear, and I think it's problematic. Yeah. Um, okay. I... So we'll, we'll get to it. But, yeah, the the probably the, the best part of this whole movie is the fact that the CIA hires a, an outside uh, assailant, played by Max Sydow to mm-hmm. try and take him out. And So while he's in the process of trying to figure out what's gone on and having an unnecessary romance with the fake dunaway character <laughs> he keeps having these run-ins with max funcito as a hitman which are i i mean i'm just gonna say probably the best part of the
2: whole movie mm-hmm.
1: so you had already said that you liked this better than the last one i
2: Whoa. felt like i feel like the tension was better for me um maybe maybe just because it starts sooner like, you just kind of go with him to work, and then he goes to grab lunch for everybody, and then shit goes down. So there's yeah. not as much of a lead-up to shit hitting the fan. Um, but maybe I do agree with you, after going over the plot synopsis, that it does kind of tend to drag after uh, about the middle of the movie. Yeah, I, I think we
1: inadvertently picked two movies here that are perfect to go together because one is, like they're very similar story-wise except one is murder one is kidnapping the biggest difference is one is american and one's british right yeah so this one here is like let's get the action scene in early get everybody hooked early but then it's also it, it, it almost felt like the movie was too long for me like a lot of the stuff in the middle i'm like we can do without this mm-hmm. you know
2: yeah uh,
1: and It's problematic in my mind to have him strike up a romance with the woman he kidnapped.
2: I I agree. I thought that was an issue. Especially since she's supposed to be on holiday with her boyfriend. Yeah. And she's like, I'm supposed to be there now. Like, he's going to end up... He's going to start calling because I'm not there. But then, like, he just... After a while, just... Eh, that's not important anymore. And... Yeah. Suddenly they're sleeping together for whatever reason.
1: The weirdest part for that was they did the... The cheesy like romantic comedy move Of they have the one phone call with the boyfriend Where he's a complete asshole about the fact That she's not there
0: mm-hmm.
1: And it's like okay so we're gonna set it up That it's okay for her to fall for this other guy Because he's a dick
0: <laughs> And it's like
1: I, I don't like that trope In movies at all like yeah. no it's not okay It's not okay to cheat on your significant other If they're mean it's <laughs> okay to break up With them you know <laughs> But whatever it's I mean It's it's a movie trope that just it bugs Me and it mm-hmm a lot of what went on in this movie felt like it was like hitting the Hollywood tropes
2: yeah Uh, a
1: a little too much for me there was a lot of the like just we got now we got to get scenes of him running down the streets in New York and you're like
0: Hmm.
1: and I mean the the, the 70s music didn't help make those did not add tension to those scenes let's put it that way (laughs) the almost almost time for disco this is what I would describe the music
2: in this uh but I think maybe the setting was better for me too like it's set in, it's only set in New York like so that's all you really deal yeah. with where um, in uh, Black windmill we're kind of jumping all over the place to different locations and stuff. sometimes it's good I mean it's got a fucking hovercraft in it as we've mentioned a couple times yeah. so far in this podcast. Uh, but I don't know um, yeah I thought the uh, the massacre at the beginning was done pretty well.
1: I agree with that. I think it was done quite well. I mean, the movie directed by Sidney Pollock, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Who
1: I I'm not particularly familiar with, but he's a very well respected director. So you expect things to be executed well, and I think for the most part they are. Um, there was a lot of little things I think they got right, like so. There's like a when they when they're going to meet up in the in the alley. Um, and he's re- like Robert Redford's character has refused to kind of come in because he doesn't know what's going on and mm-hmm. hey man ev- everybody I know at the CIA is dead like I've never met any of you people that are up above how do I know if the people I'm meeting or who I'm supposed to be meeting or whatever and they agree to bring one of his buddies along and yeah. uh, there's there's that whole like thing where we spend a couple of seconds where they're like putting a bulletproof vest on the friend and, and making a very big deal of it and we see the director guy that's going to come out to pick up Redford's character requests like a sidearm and stuff to take with him because he's going into the field and there's a lot of little details like the fact that later when the guy gets shot he's shot in a very specific spot Mm -hmm. where you could still get killed if you're wearing a bulletproof vest there's little details like the uh, the director or her, whatever his name is. I don't I don't remember the, the, the title of the guy that's supposed to be going to bring him in. But he requests the same kind of gun that he already knows Robert Redford's character has so that when he does kill someone, he can blame it on Redford. And I'm like, that's really clever and it's smart and it's done well. Where it's like, if you're not thinking about it, you wouldn't really look at it, notice it, but... He did specifically ask him what kind of gun he had, and then he did go request a firearm that would match up and I thought that was all that was all that was excellent mm-hmm. um, like i say it's 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 mostly the the stuff between Redford and Dunaway that I thought was just cheesy,
2: yeah, I can agree with that 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 was kind of uh not really necessary, I guess. Yeah, I feel like the relationship between Michael Caine and his ex-wife in Black Windmill was probably better than anything they came up with for Redford and Faye Dunaway in this.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious if, because Lord knows there was no internet back in 1975, but if you could look into it and find out, like, was there an original script that had no romantic angle in it and then some suit decided that, hey, we got to have one in every movie? Mm-hmm. Because it's really interesting that this movie, like the 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 most intriguing part of this whole thing for me was the opening credits when I'm like, director Sidney Pollock stars Robert Redford, you know, uh, you know all these different names, Faye Dunaway, Cliff Robertson, mm-hmm. Max von Sydow, and then it's produced by Dino De Laurentiis, and I'm like, what? That doesn't compute <laughs> to me at all. Like
0: that's
1: <laughs> that seems off. So I'm like, okay, so obviously some of the elements that i found cheesy may have been entered in because there's somebody going no no no, we have to hit the hollywood tropes Mm -hmm. and you can imagine who in that list would be the one that wanted to do
2: that (laughs) yeah that does make sense
1: so i i don't i again i don't know that for sure i'm just guessing but
2: Hmm. i don't know yeah no i I see your point I, i just i I don't know. I, I enjoyed the him on the run aspect of it uh, yeah, that, do, that does slow down once Faye Dunaway jumps into the picture.
1: Yeah, I, I, liked, uh, I liked that he was a clever guy, even though he mm-hmm. wasn't, a, you know, makes it very clear he wasn't a field agent. I liked like that one point when him and Max Monsito are in the same place um, and he goes to leave and he arranges a group of people to come with him so that when he's walking out of the building, he can't get shot because he knows exactly what's coming. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. So that he's walking out with like kind of staying behind this group of people. And he's lied to them and said that he's going to give him five bucks to help him uh, get into his car. Cause his keys are in there. And then as soon as he's he like bolts and they're all like, what the hell man?
2: What's my $5. <laughs> it's
1: hilarious how much people were willing to do for $5 back then too.
2: Yeah, it, the relationship between Max von Sydow and Robert Redford, is, yeah, like you mentioned, is the best thing in this movie.
1: It's just, that scene where they're in the elevator together, it's right before the scene I just described, is so tense. And mm-hmm. they're just looking at each other, really. And Redford tries to like get out on the wrong floor and Seedow calls him back into the elevator. Oh no, you're making a mistake. And he's like, you're like, that's, I don't know, there was just something about the way it was <laughs> done, but... A lot of it is in the performances, I guess. Because, um, you know, you, you can tell as the viewer that he was trying to get off on the wrong floor intentionally. You can tell that he doesn't know how to deal with it. When <laughs> So I was like, no, no, no. Get back in here.
2: Yeah. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Do you just, like, fuck it and keep walking? Or do you be like, oh, yeah, I'm totally not the guy you're looking for. I completely got off on the wrong floor. <laughs> So. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're. So, I think I've I've come around more towards your side, since talking about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The the relationship stuff. Yeah, does nothing for me. Um. So maybe we could lose a lot of that stuff, and I, I would have been fine.
1: Well, and the, the movie's quite long too, isn't it? Two. hours I feel like it was two hours. Yeah. Like, and I just yeah. wonder if. If you got rid of that relationship stuff, this movie mm-hmm. becomes almost like a, it would become more of an action movie. Mm. And I think I, I think I would have preferred that.
2: Yeah, more of him on the run. I think would have been would have been good
1: because you could still have him show up and have you know take someone prisoner he at mm-hmm. one point we get the whole thing where he watches the news in her apartment and all that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just had you know less of more more of a kidnapper kidnappy relationship and less of a romantic relationship evolve
2: mm-hmm. yeah it would have been better to maybe uh, uh, do the thing where she's not really believing she thinks he she thinks he is what they're talking about on the news And then she sees more and more unfold, realizes he's right. So then comes around to his side, but it doesn't have to be, like, a relationship thing.
1: Right. Handle it more like when Commando kidnapped that girl to help save his daughter.
2: Exactly.
1: You know, serious in tone, like that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, if you're ever in doubt, always remember, just do what Commando did and you'll be fine.
1: Oh, I would have loved it if Robert Redford halfway through this movie just started killing guys and spoke <laughs> enough cool catchphrases.
2: Uh, and uh, you just see him walking around carrying, like, a, a giant tree on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if he'd be carrying the same tree. <laughs> uh. <sighs> All right, well, anything else about well, Three Days should, of the
1: Condor? We should probably... Try to have a discussion about why those guys at the beginning of the movie got killed and why they were trying to kill
0: oh, yeah. Robert
1: Redford's character throughout the movie. See, you're, you're. I think we're on the same page where neither of us really understood it watching the movie.
2: No, uh, I mean we've pretty much figured it was an inside job through Cliff Robertson or whatever, but I don't think right. we ever get like a full explanation of how he was involved and why the whole thing went down.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: I guess I I still don't understand it. I've actually tried to read like the Wikipedia page and I still (laughs) didn't get it entirely, but it's like, it's literally like somebody in, in, within the CIA and I couldn't keep track of who did what, Mm -hmm. but somebody was going to kind of go rogue and take over some oil fields in the Middle East. And then they wanted to stop that But why did they kill the guys that Read the books to stop that
0: Yeah
2: Yeah I still don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's Yeah
2: Yeah (laughs) It seems very inconsequential To the rest of the movie
1: which is, yeah, it's it, it does maybe seem like they were tacking something on at the end.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Because it very much sort of ends unresolved. Like, he. Well, yeah. Robert Redford insinuates that he has told the New York Times everything. Right. And Cliff Robertson's, like, really pissed, and then Redford walks away and then freeze frame. Credits and I'm like, wait, that's it?
1: Yeah, it. Because it's even through the way they're speaking to each other, it's not even clear whether anybody expects the times to actually print what was provided. Mm-hmm. So that that's like a weird thing where you're like, well, what if they don't even print it? And then he's just still a wanted man. Because <laughs> was it? It was Max von sido's character that offered to take Redford like away and said like, come with me, and we you can become a hitman like me, and we can be buddies and not stick around New York where everyone's looking for
2: you.
0: <laughs>
1: Redford's like, nah, I like it here.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it, it does seem like, like, why would tomorrow somebody else in CIA not just take him out?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so... Don't know. Yeah, never really resolved itself.
1: Yeah, so... Which again, like, you know, comparing it to the last movie little easier to resolve a kidnapping plot i mean michael cocaine finds his kid at the end that's, <laughs> that's we're done here right like yeah. you don't need much more to it than that
2: yeah literally just carries his son uh, out of the windmill and walking down the road credits no mention of all the uh ptsd this kid's gonna have <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and the horrible therapy bills they're gonna need
1: yeah, no mention of that. No mention of like all the legal consequences of all the people Kane just killed,
0: <laughs> or
1: or the fact that he still has is an escaped convict who
0: people think committed a murder. So uh. it's
1: gonna be one of those things where the cover-up's forcing the crime. Uncle Kane's gonna get arrested. He'll be uh, cleared of the murder charge, but still be busted for fleeing custody. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Something absolutely ridiculous. And they're like, look, Donald Pleasant broke his arm in that car wreck. What do you got to say about that? All right. Anything else?
1: No. I mean, for me, just last thoughts on Condor would be, I don't know if this movie is good enough to recommend to people or not. It's kind of on the line for me. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of fun to be had in the middle parts of it, and some of the action scenes are decent shootout scenes, but it, it bugs me that there's not more to the mystery. That there are more, it's not better resolved, it's not better explained.
2: Yeah. Well, you won me over with your argument, Doug.
0: Well,
1: that's nice that this week, providing <laughs> logical, rational arguments and facts actually has an impact on the conversation.
0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out The Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at mndrive pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
2: So I've only got two things for this week that I've already seen or that I also watched so what what did you get watched uh, not a whole lot either
0: <laughs> um,
1: it's yeah unfortunately it's just been a bit of a slow week but uh, I'm trying to remember what, what what I watched since last time we recorded did we discuss Dragged Across Concrete last week no no. okay well in that case i watched dragged across concrete
2: <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is how organized we are on this on this show <laughs>
0: um
1: yeah so this one here is one i've been looking forward to for a while i know you've seen it mm-hmm. and it's the, the director has been uh, on a bit of a hot streak lately did you end up liking this one
2: you um i liked it but uh i did feel it was overly long and yeah, I agree with you. Was disappointed with that.
1: It, it's it's long and it's unnecessarily long and it's um how can I put this politely? Mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn's not a good actor and that's a problem when he gets as much oh. screen time as he does. Ouch. He's he's not a terrible actor. He's not good enough to pull off a mm-hmm. movie of this tone for this mm. amount of time.
0: Mm. Right?
2: Did you like it's, him in, uh, brawl in cell block 99?
1: I didn't mind him in that. All right. Um, but he's a very different character in this one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the other problem, I had, so I think, Oh, I guess if, if people don't know the basic plot of this is Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson play cops who get in trouble for, uh, Roughing up a suspect a little bit, um, decide to steal on camera.
2: Of, yeah, yeah, they get the
1: recorded cop, doing cell it. phone camera. Yeah, yeah. So they are suspended. They they decide to go and uh, steal some money from some bad guys and get dragged into a, a plot because it's not as simple as just stealing money from bad guys. When people mm. start getting killed and stuff, um, but. I thought the amount of time that this movie took, we could have had. It should have been more of a decision to get involved in the crime. Mm. Like they're they're just these cops at the beginning, and they just basically decide the day, the first day of their suspension. It's like Mel Gibson's daughter has a drink thrown at her, and he's like, "That's it. I'm becoming a criminal, so I can move out of this neighborhood." Yeah, and it's like, well, that's. Uh, that's just a drink that got thrown at her like literally like a soda from the convenience store
2: well and his wife is also uh not paraplegic but she's got something she like limps around and stuff and i can't remember i can't remember if it's a disease or if was she a cop too and got shot i don't i can't remember which one
1: yeah like the she was a cop and she's obviously not anymore and I don't think mm-hmm. they give you a detailed explanation as to what yeah. happened so you're just left to assume that she got shot
0: mm-hmm. and
1: again like if you spent more time exploring that stuff maybe that would justify the 2 hour 40 minute run time of this movie yeah but it's just it, it, yeah way, way too long for what the movie is no mm-hmm. um, I will say Mel Gibson is fantastic in this movie
2: yeah <laughs>
1: like I was super impressed with his acting. Um, I, I just, I don't really think of him as an actor. I think of him as an action star.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, I forget that he can do this. Um, so, he handles it really well. It's would say the closest, like his closest previous performance, is like, when was in Signs. It's like that same sort of monotone, kind of like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: trying to look out for everybody else all the time, but at the same time, he's know i don't know thinking about himself as well
2: mm-hmm. you could tell through his performance that he's got a lot going on in his head rather than a lot going out going on on screen yeah yeah
1: i agree with that it's so yeah i don't know i like i guess at the end of the day i, I kind of liked the movie but it was mm. just If you're going to make make your movie almost three hours long, it has to have three hours worth of plot, and this movie didn't. So Mm -hmm. a lot of it kind of added on.
2: Yeah, From what I remember, I think uh, Lionsgate really wanted him to trim it down so they could do a theatrical release. Oh, yeah? And he's got a final cut clause in his contract, so he said no. And so that's why it kind of just went. Very limited release, and then you that's, know, out to video.
1: That's sort of how, I, I sort of had the feeling watching it that this was maybe a guy that's gotten a little too into his own head, yeah. and likes his own work a little bit too much. And that's mm. I don't know, because hey, it's a very smart movie in some ways. Like even the the initial like encounter that they get in trouble for, I think it's very the way they do it. Where he they're a little rough with the guy. But if you're watching this as a as a movie, thinking maybe it's an action movie, mm-hmm. cops are that rough with guys all the time in movies. And like, yes, it would get you in trouble if you were in the real world, but it wasn't something that stood out as something we should be expecting to be a main plot point
2: in the movie. Yeah.
1: Like they just kind of throw the guy down and kind of stand on his head a little bit and stuff like that. and It's like, oh, and again, by movie cop standards, not that big a deal.
2: <laughs> so he didn't so, kill know, him. Is- <laughs> they didn't kill him. That's. That's, that's, like, uh, good for everybody.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, like, I'm, I'm kind of... The, like, I didn't realize, because I just... I kind of went in blind from a lot perspective. Just, I didn't realize that was going to be a main driver of the movie going forward. I just mm. kind of assumed that... Uh, I just kind of assumed they were just arresting that guy. And this was, like, I was expecting this to be, like, an opening scene. And then when they get inside they find a stash of money that this guy had in his apartment, and they are, they kind of, like, you see them both looking at it, and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be... I thought that would be the turning point. I thought maybe they'd take some of that money, and it would send them on a path of, like, being dirty cops or whatever. And it turns out that didn't really matter at all, other than the fact that we're getting them both looking at money for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I think this is a case of probably you needed a, a little bit more studio interference to cut this movie down mm-hmm. in, order to, in order to get more people to get to see all the good stuff about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, it's been a while since I've seen it. So I don't remember exactly what, what I, what I remember thinking like, Oh, you could have lost like this and this scene, you could have lost that and it wouldn't have affected anything. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it, sticks around too long you yeah. just need to get to stuff maybe a little sooner and then deal with the fallout of everything a little sooner
1: yeah uh, and, and again I'm not an expert on what you would cut out from that because mm-hmm. there is the whole like the other character we follow who's the guy that gets out of jail and he comes out and he's looking for ways to like help his family and he's involved from the other perspective of he's joining up with these criminals but he just wants to be like a driver and he kind of gets dragged into a bigger thing hmm. and so you've got these two different guys two different sets of guys that are kind of like trying to do the right thing for their families and they both kind of get dragged into something bigger than what they expected and you're like okay I, I see what you're doing there and that's and it's all clever and well done but it's taken an awful long time and yeah, it doesn't really lend itself to anything from a plot perspective or a character perspective. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it it's almost like is the movie so long that you stop thinking about things like that, and it becomes a uh, I don't know, like you've you've kind of spoiled your own point.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, weirdly, it's like we almost spend too much time with these characters. We need to yeah. just kind of like get get on the road with kind of what we're doing. Yeah, there's got to be a happy medium in that movie somewhere, but three hours, or at least you know, almost three hours, it just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't work for that movie. Which I was bummed because I mean I've been a big fan of I was a big fan of Bone Tomahawk. I really liked Brawl and Salt Block 99. Yeah. So I was just bummed that I was kind of bummed about this movie after it came out.
1: Yeah, I mean I'll still watch whatever this
2: guy does next. Oh, for uh, sure.
1: But it's, uh, again, it was, it's, it, it, when you try to do interesting and unique things with movies, I, I see that as a positive. Uh-huh. Um, and so he's trying to do something really cool here. He misses the mark a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, it's not terrible. I don't, like, we're saying, we're, we're talking about it like it's a terrible movie. It's not at all. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. It's, it's not as good as I was hoping it would be, I guess. That's what it comes down
2: to. <laughs> I do so. remember watching some special features, because I, I ended up picking it up on Blu-ray before I even watched it. And I do remember coming, coming back from it thinking, like, as Craig Zoller thinks very highly of himself, which kind of bums me out, but
1: it's i feel like that's obvious in the movie Mm -hmm. and that's not the like sometimes you when you watch a movie you can feel the director's attitudes towards various things built into them that's not the attitude you want to be able to feel through a movie (laughs)
2: uh i don't know if you're aware of this but he also wrote the uh puppet master reboot
1: I did notice that. I was looking at his uh, yeah. MTB listing as I was watching this movie. So,
2: Which I would uh, I would recommend. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I got to get to it one of these days. There's just so much stuff left for me to watch. <laughs> um, other than that, I didn't watch a lot. I assume we're going to get into some Star Wars talk <laughs> soon. Yeah. Um. And I'm just going to warn listeners now, like, from now till December, this What Have You have Been Watching segment is going to be Star Wars-heavy for me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's just there's no way around it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
2: I mean, do so you want to th- talk about Rogue One and then we'll jump into the thing that we both watched?
1: Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, it's not even all the Star Wars I have. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, because I... Uh, i mean we're recording this a few days after disney plus launched
2: uh launched with fervor i would i would say i think they they said they got 10 million subscribers on the first day
1: yeah Eh. and i'm not like some sucker i waited till day two
2: Um, (laughs) but
1: uh i i'm already hooked on the rebels cartoon which i'd never seen before nice and I accidentally watched like six episodes of it today. So. <laughs>
2: accidentally, of course.
1: Um, it's pretty good. So I, I have a feeling I'm going to be every week talking about which ones I saw.
2: But I, <laughs> have you seen it? No, I I started to watch uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, and then kind of fell out of that. Uh, but I want to go back to it, and then just never never jumped onto any of the other series.
1: Yeah, I was the same way until today, and then I. Rebels has been recommended to me a couple of times. It's kind of a neat setup. It's set kind of post, uh, like post episode three, with the Empire's been set up, and mm-hmm. um, they have it's this group of people who are going to grow up to be part of the rebellion. They're not yet. Um, the The best thing I can compare it to is like Firefly, where they like. There's sometimes they're doing missions because they're nice people who want to help, and sometimes they're doing missions because they just got to steal some shit and turn some money.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: They're just flying around from episode to episode. And, and like Even in the first six episodes, there's a number of references to known characters. Um, so I assume some of those will be returning. So oh. at one point, they rescue C-3PO and R2-D2 and return them to uh, Senator Organa.
2: Stuff like that. Mm. So. Yeah interesting
1: um i don't know i am enjoying it i don't think it was necessarily meant to be binged this way i can definitely feel how the episodes are i don't want i don't want to say that what like they're just they're kind of like individual stories being told so you just kind mm-hmm. of you, you're not you're not, they're not meant to flow one into the next as easily yeah so
2: I, so they're just I, they're very uh episodic rather than uh, um Oh, fuck. What's the, what's the word for for the story continues week to week?
1: Yeah, I don't know.
2: Serial. They're not very serialized. Right.
1: No. There, and there's some, like, ongoing storylines that go throughout and stuff, but...
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think I've added it to my watch list, so I'm sure I'll get to it one day after watching the billion other... Uh, Things I've added to my watch list already. Yeah, well, that's why I started. People will notice
1: in the coming months. There's some Disney Plus stuff going to be covered on this show, and then, I'm like, <laughs> I'm never going to get to all this. I better just start adding it to the list of stuff we have
2: to watch for the podcast. <laughs> Kill two birds with one stone that way.
1: Exactly. Um, so then, yeah, I, I watched Rogue One as, which is I decided that was going to be my starting point for rewatching. Um, mm. Star Wars movies leading up to the uh, leading up to Episode Nine. So,
2: so you're just skipping the, skip the pre- prequels and just going starting with Rogue One.
1: Basically, yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: it's not a bad plan.
1: Uh, it's not, uh, and I, I don't hate on the prequels the way everybody else does, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, you know, if I'm going to skip something, it's going to be pretty much. It's almost like on <laughs> a time. Uh, if you if you look at it in a timeline, it's really convenient because it's like. It's episodes one, two, three, and then uh, solo, and then you kind of kind of cut it off there. On from a direct timeline perspective, and watch <laughs> everything else going forward, and you're like, oh, look at that!
0: <laughs> it's
1: r- really easy to cut those ones out when you when you're comparing them to what else there is. So,
2: thanks a lot, Disney.
1: I mean, it also helps that I just I absolutely love Rogue One.
2: Like it's yeah, I really enjoy yeah. the two.
1: I uh, I think it I I mean I think it does the best job of anything that's happened since 1984 of kind of recapturing the magic of the original trilogy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think again, I think it feels like it's it's closer to it's closer to Star Wars than The Force Awakens is put it that way. Yeah, it's it, it has more of that feel to it. I think it does a lot of like clever little things like the um, the sol guerrera character though like the way he's clearly the good guy version of darth vader i think is really kind of clever and they don't spend a lot of time on it we don't we're not going to discuss it we're just going to like drift that out there like you guys want to talk about this go talk about it but, but we're just going to have this happening as kind of a little point in the middle of the movie mm-hmm. i love the way like both thematically and just physically the movie starts with like these giant giant shots of like planets and ends on a fucking hallway and the whole movie is kind of that it's kind of this like dispersed group of people all coming together and this it just narrows down narrows down narrows down until it's literally the whole movie now like in that final scene the main character is like a floppy disk that they have to pass down a hallway
0: right
1: (laughs) and i just i kind of love that I love the dark ending I love that they were I was so worried When I was watching the movie The first time that they were gonna chicken shit out And have these characters all live And I love that they mm. don't It's yeah. you know, It's the right decision to make For this movie
0: mm-hmm. so, Yeah
1: I, don't, I I really like it I don't know I'm just babbling here I've probably said all this <laughs> stuff before on the show
2: uh, were, Are you aware that Um what's his name the the Han Solo guy in this I don't remember what is is it Cassian or something yeah Cassian and, and the, yeah he's getting his own Disney Plus series like prequels he is
1: yeah and I'm curious to see how that goes
2: mm-hmm oh as long as they bring back uh Alan Tudyk which I'm from what I heard, I think I've heard he's coming back to play as yeah. robot sidekick again I'll be I like that I'll I like, like that robot man I, yeah yeah
1: I like the, the sassy droid that shows up in every Star Wars movie. I think it's a nice trope. I don't know. I don't know I've, I've, seen, I've heard other people complain about it, and I'm like, but that's just part of Star Wars. Like, you gotta have that.
2: Yeah. And I, I especially love this one where he's just kind of like the I don't give a fuck droid. Yeah. Where he's like, I didn't want to come back for you, but Cassian said we had to.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like that kind of shit
1: they give you the little explanation for it too it's something like something to do with his reprogramming that he no longer has like a filter and it's like yeah that's perfect that's enough (laughs) it's the right amount of explanation for why he speaks this way
2: now I want to go watch Rogue One again
1: Yeah.
2: might happen over the weekend
1: that'll be good we can discuss
2: it again next week (laughs) I'm
1: happy to I got to. Uh, I'll, I'll have to stream a New Hope sometime between now and when we speak next. Because uh, apparently they've recut it again.
2: Yeah, so we can talk about the Greedo. Uh, yeah, Greedo Han Solo scene.
1: Yeah, because nothing, nothing screams nerd like fucking
2: <laughs>
1: arguing over who shot first.
2: <laughs> mm, ridiculous.
1: All right, so is it time to talk about The Mandalorian? Yeah.
2: I, I guess so. <clears throat> so,
1: so I'll, 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 I'll start right now and say I'm, I'm
2: fucking hooked on it. Like, oh, yeah. I, yeah.
1: I've watched it twice.
2: Yeah, Amanda was, like, busy on Tuesday, and then she got home, like, late, and I told her, I'm like, I just want to let you know, it's been the most, like, I've as much will as I could muster not to hit play on this before you got home because she wanted to see it too i'm like so you should appreciate that but yeah then we sat down and watched it yeah i absolutely loved it so i mean it's
1: i i think like when they kind of advertised it as being like a western but set in the star wars universe mm-hmm. i thought that was going to be i'm like that's a neat idea but they're not going to really do that that's just Them talking, right? But they really seem to have gone ahead and done
2: that. Yeah. Yeah, that's completely it. Yeah. Yeah, Our our titular Mandalorian, shockingly, is a bounty hunter. And, uh, yeah, gets hired to. What do they even call it? Just grab a. Catch a bounty. Yeah. Uh, it's a very specific subject. And it's so, like, crazy that they don't even because they use these uh hollow pucks they call them so it's basically like a little hockey puck you put down and then like the hologram image of them of their mugshot pops up and yeah they don't even have one it's like so you just have to you just have to know that this is who you're going after and you're gonna have to track them down the old-fashioned way which i thought was great and then yeah drop them on this desert-like planet and uh face off against creatures and all sorts of uh, other stuff and then a sassy robot shows up yeah <laughs>
1: I, I, I liked every element of what you just described and you didn't even get to Nick Nolte playing a pig man yet
2: nope nope <laughs> Did, didn't even get there <laughs>
1: it's, but that the robot let's talk about that that whole thing that was so very Star Wars to me so they're having mm. the big shootout and the robot for whatever reason is programmed to self-destruct rather than get caught so it keeps trying to go into self-destruct mode the whole time and i'm like holy shit it's that just that's star wars right that's big yeah. shootout going on some guy making sarcastic comments in the corner that to me is very very star wars about it i loved
2: it yeah and completely just like oh minor inconvenience that i might get caught Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and self destruct, and it's like we're not even there yet. Stop, stop doing self destructing, (laughs) Jesus. So yeah, the Mandalorians keep telling them just to not self destruct. It's like we're not we're not gonna get caught. Just stay with me, Jesus.
1: I also loved the amount of death that there was in that scene. Oh yeah. I, I actually this actually applies to when i was talking about rebels before too this applies there too in star wars death happens very casually and it has very little consequence (laughs) unless it's one of the main characters Mm -hmm. and all those background people are just allowed to die and that's okay that's part of the star wars universe that's how it's always worked and like i i love that they're maintaining that even in this even now that they're a disney product
0: Mm -hmm. that
1: they haven't haven't kind of cleared that up nobody's like you know it's it's not the old gi joe cartoon where every time a plane blew up you'd see the guy parachuting away it's nothing (laughs) like that it's like yeah we're just we're just allowed to kill people in this it's fine if you don't like your kids seeing this you might want to explain it to them a little bit or whatever
2: (laughs) well I like like you mentioned since they set this up like a western that they basically have said and even the uh, nick nolte pigman pointed out they're like, yeah, these people are bad people. They don't really belong here and they cause trouble. Yep. So it's like, yeah, everybody dies, yeah, but they are bad people, so it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. And that's close enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So. Now
1: what what do you do you think of the reveal at the end?
2: Uh I was like, holy shit.
1: I know. I don't understand it. And I tried I went online and tried to watch like videos about people having their own theories and stuff mm. my conclusion is nobody else understands it
0: either
2: <laughs> yeah we just uh, is... we don't know what it's what it's all about yet but the yeah. reveal of what it actually is i was just like holy fuck because i read something that yeah lucas has always been very protective over uh the specific species and like how it works and their past and all this stuff so see something to then be able to play with something and have it completely go beyond your expectations. I was super happy. Yeah, so I'm
1: really curious to see what the plan is. Mm-hmm. Um, some, one of the you know things you missed in this show videos that I watched on YouTube pointed out that apparently one of the scientists in the room Mm-hmm. Warner Herzog is where it has a symbol that implies that he might have a connection to the cloners from, Yeah, like episode two
2: and mm-hmm. I'm like yeah I saw okay. that too so that's I'm just like, that
1: so makes me super to, excited are they planning to clone a bunch of these little guys is that the plan because that's <laughs> a cool plan I kind of like that plan
2: yeah I even so, read that, that this could possibly tie into uh um uh, uh, whatever the next Star Wars movie is, I can't remember the subtitle, Rise of Skywalker.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't see why it couldn't. Mm. I don't I kind of hope it doesn't because I kind of like the saga films to be their own sort of standalone thing. Sure. Except I love Rogue One that ties directly into Episode Four,
0: which is <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm shooting myself in the foot because basically what I'm saying is, I if it works, I like it, and if it doesn't work, I don't like it.
2: <laughs> yeah so far so good
1: yeah I'm just I am checking the release dates right now and yeah I mean there's one episode of this show that won't be released until after The Rise of Skywalker comes Hmm. out so I don't know if that means they can't tie it in or oh fuck so chapter 7 of this show comes out mm-hmm. on december 18th the first screenings of rise of skywalker are on the 19th they're not going to make me watch this show before i go see that movie are they
2: they might be don't know <sighs>
1: it's is <just> stressful now
2: <laughs>
1: this whole star wars thing is getting very stressful
0: Yeah,
2: no, i don't know we'll see it may end up just being completely nothing. I mean it's obviously just fan speculation at this point.
1: Yeah. I I will say, man, they got they got me hooked. I wanna know I want to know what's uh
0: what's coming next. Hmm. I kind yeah. of enjoy all the little celebrity cameos
1: that they're putting in. I hope they kinda of keep that up. <laughs> I assume like Nick Nolte didn't show up for that role, he's probably
2: coming back yeah they uh, saw someone someone you know the day of uh, the release someone just posted wait Carl Weathers is in Star Wars now and I'm like yeah yeah Carl Weathers Weathers. yeah fucking Warner Herzog yeah
1: the uh, I guess the blue dude at the beginning the first guy that he picks up in that sort of like Mm-hmm. vignette that they have to start off to introduce us to the character the he's a uh, an snl guy from one oh, periods really? of time where i didn't watch snl so hmm. there are there are people who know him i don't personally recognize him
2: now i gotta look him up so yeah yeah even like the opening little uh intro um I don't know what you'd call it. In, intro bounty or whatever. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, he just walks into a bar and gets into a big fight with a bunch of guys and
2: <laughs> Which I mean, if that's not Star Wars, I don't know what is. It's
1: it's exactly it's perfect.
2: <laughs> it's Oh, that was Horatio Sands. Of course. Yeah. I didn't recognize him under all that blue makeup
1: that's who I meant the whole yeah. time I know who that is
2: <laughs> you probably do
1: uh, I'm sure like maybe
2: but he was in like every that's... sketch with Jimmy Fallon okay yeah I
1: I didn't watch I don't know if I ever watched an episode of SNL of Jimmy Fallon on it.
2: oh you're missing out no it's too bad it's not owned by Disney you could just stream it on Disney Plus
1: yeah Um but yeah, I don't know. The Mandalorian's awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. I like
1: it. It again it similar to Rogue One, it just it feels like Star Wars. And that's something where, you know, solo and the entire prequel trilogy they don't feel like Star Wars. They feel like something a little different. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But these I don't know. I love it. I love the way these ones just tie. They make me feel like I'm back in the same universe.
2: Mm. Yeah, it is a weird tie rope They have to walk because you know it's either like, oh, all these Star Wars movies are the same. They don't ever do anything different than when they do. Like this doesn't feel like Star Wars. What kind of bullshit is this? Yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because, like, even The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, to me, don't feel as much like they're set in the same Star Wars universe as Rogue One and
0: the Mandalorian do. Hmm.
2: Which is weird. Yeah, I didn't have as many uh, problems with them. But I've heard a lot of people talk about that.
1: I don't, and, and, again, like, I I like both those movies. I think they're both well done. Hmm. I'm just saying they don't. They don't strike the same. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to put your finger on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know. Just one of those so. things. You'll you'll know it when you know it, but right now yeah. you you know that it's that just doesn't feel it. All right. Anything else?
1: Um. Now it's pretty much it for me.
2: Um, the only other thing I saw is I went to, uh, the theater and caught, uh, Dr. Sleep. Okay. Which
1: I, I, for the record, didn't see Dr. Sleep because of Dragged Across Concrete. Like I just don't have another two hour and 40 minute movie. Uh,
2: which is, uh, which is a bummer because, uh, I would say a hundred percent worth it. I was kind of worried about this movie when it was first announced because uh, the book was okay, and the problems that the book had is, um, well, I guess the big problem with the the book of the Shining, I guess if you would call it that, is uh, everybody who's read the book. Knows that the at the end, the hotel explodes. So there's no more right. hotel at the end of the book. Which is fine. It does what it does in the book. So in Doctor Sleep, the book, sort of the end climax of the, the book, they go back to the site of the hotel, which is now just like a, I don't know, open field or something with some some ruins of the hotel, but... It's just kind of a boring, you know, okay, we're here. There's like, you know, maybe a wall or two still standing, but, you know, kind of what was the point of even showing up here again? I think the explanation is like the place holds power, you know, like energy con- yeah convenes there or whatever. It's just, you know, it's whatever excuse he needed to get him back there. And in the book, it's just kind of, eh. Anticlimactic, you kind of just, all right, whatever. But so when, I, when they were going to do the the movie, they first announced it. I was like, well, I don't know if that's a good idea, but then Mike Flanagan came on board and basically it's just like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is going to be a direct sequel to the Kubrick movie rather than just an adaptation of this book. And I'm like, okay, well that could work. And then I started to see the trailers and then I was completely on board and super excited. And then saw the movie and walked out of it, loving it. So <clears throat> the stuff that, uh, that really works is the whole movie leads up to them having to go back to, well, not having to, but end up going back to the hotel, which is in the movie world is still standing. It's just, it's been shut down and has stood empty ever since the end of the shining. Um, So yeah, so just getting to see where Danny Torrance is now and watching his journey from the end of The Shining was really interesting. The villains in this turned out to be super creepy, which I didn't think they were in the book, but they do an amazing job of just making them complete evil. They're essentially energy vampires so they like to hunt down people with uh, abilities like Danny's, and essentially feed on their energy. So of course they're going to end up crossing paths and stuff, and chick goes down, and they end up. He ends up luring them back to the hotel because he knows the hotel itself uh, feeds on that same kind of power that they're feeding on. So maybe it would. Uh, sort of fight against them as well, whatever. So it's good. The whole movie, you're just sort of building up to, you know, that the return to the hotel is coming and it works really well. All the, uh, confrontations with Danny and the, the villains called the true knot, uh, are done really well. And it's creepy. Uh, the movie, he does something. My biggest complaint of the movie is something that they just, uh I mean there's no way around it. His he obviously has to recast uh Danny you know Danny and then Shelly Duvall's character because there is a little you do get a little bit of what happened to them after the end of the shining. So it is a bummer that there's different actors playing these characters, but I think it was a good choice. And he even then goes to reshoot some of the famous scenes from the shining with these actors so at least you kind of get drawn back into oh these are these characters we're seeing them in the same situation so you just build a familiarity with them so it ends up working um but yeah overall it's just i think it's a really done really well done movie and uh ends up drawing you in and like i said you just you end up back at the hotel and when you get there you're like super excited because you've basically been waiting for it this whole movie and i think they do a good job
1: yeah yeah i really got to see it it sounds great
2: yeah one of the things i love is that uh the woman in the bathtub actually plays a big part throughout the movie oh really She's actually, like, a visual representation of Danny's PTSD from this whole situation. Because she she essentially ends up following him out of the hotel. So you see, like, a scene afterwards with him and his mom, like, living down in Florida now. And he gets up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and then walks into the bathroom. Sure enough, she, like, pulls the shower curtain back he like freaks out and just pisses himself you know so it's just it's it's interesting how they were able to pull things from the original Shining and have them have continual meaning throughout the rest of the throughout this movie and just how all that stuff plays out like I think it's done really well so yeah definitely uh, definitely recommend for me I think I would definitely make time to see it in the theater Yeah. I got, I got worried because there was a guy being kind of obnoxious right before the movie started, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this fucking guy." And of course, he sat right behind me, and I am just like, oh, "I am gonna have to deal with this bullshit throughout the entire movie. It's just gonna piss me off." Luckily, about ten minutes in, like he, see, I am assuming he got roped in and just shut up for the rest of the movie. So, worth it, Doug. Give it a watch.
1: Yeah, I got, I gotta get out to see it not really a question of whether I want to or not it's more of a will I manage to
2: <laughs> sure will just take the kid with you it'll be fine
1: oh yeah <laughs>
0: it's like,
1: look I gotta take you to the Santa Claus Parade so you can take me to the Shining
2: it'll
0: be fine <laughs> here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future
2: uh, next week even though Noah's here he picked the movies for next week Seems Sounds unfair. like eh. At least he picked ones that I don't think will piss you off, but maybe they will. I don't know. You never know. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about uh, Stay Tuned with John Ritter and Pam Dauber. And then uh, Mom and Dad Save the World, if I remember correctly, is John Lovitz. So I guess if you're a John Lovitz fan... And or a hater, it could go either way. Yeah, I
1: don't have that strong of a feeling with John Lovitz. <laughs> I'm more concerned about whether I'm going to be able to find these movies to watch than anything.
2: Oh, that's a good point. I don't know. I should, we probably should have this up before we decided on them. <laughs> but that's Noah for you. Let's see. Stay tuned. Uh, is available for rent it looks like in just about any general streaming service like amazon and youtube mom and dad save the world uh, looks about the same so i'm assuming oh. it should be shouldn't be super hard just oh. you, may, you may have to pay to rent them
1: well, it's, well, I'm going to go right ahead and disagree with you because stay tuned according to justwatch.ca it is, <laughs> it's not available for streaming anywhere
2: <laughs> uh oh
1: I will uh I'll see what I can do
2: Ah, uh, Doug's going to be checking nefarious sources move cat see if it's on see if it's on the tubes
1: yeah, I'm sure it's on the internet somewhere.
2: Oh yeah, here's right away. Stay tuned, hour and a half. And there's Jeffrey Jones, pedophile. <laughs>
0: that's
1: good. That's good. Yeah, we're just gonna go to the dark web to find this
0: pedophile movie. That's that's what you want to say, just as we're getting ready to sign off, eh? Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.